We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One-two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! And there's a drive in the left field! This is hit well! And it's gone! You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers uh, for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Forgot forgot where we worked for a moment, Adam. Uh, we're under the weather, but on the baseball field, the weather is clear skies with a chance of National League Central title. Before we talk about another series win and another weekend where the Brewers picked up games in the standings over the Chicago Cubs. How are you? Welcome to our show. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm definitely doing better than you. Um, it sounds like you took up smoking this weekend and really went hard on it. Uh, I've I've been not great for a while, but I don't know if I've sounded like you do. Maybe a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. It's look, we've been battling through. It's late in the season. Um. But we're getting the job done, mostly. I mean, I don't want to be the judge of that ourselves. We'll leave that up to the listeners. But I feel good about where we're at, Andrew, in spite of in spite of your condition today. Uh, and I definitely feel very, very good about where the Milwaukee Brewers are at. Could it be a little bit better? It could. Um, but rivals are imploding, and the Brewers are putting together some signature moments, and that's the kind of stuff you'd like to see at this time of year. Yeah, the Brewers now have a six and a half game lead over the Chicago Cubs. Their magic number to clinch the Central is down to seven games, I think. Um, seven games lead over the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds, thanks to some scuffles from the Cubs, 
have uh, started to get themselves a little bit back into the mix. Uh, Central race, if the Brewers take care of business quickly, will be over hopefully very soon, especially if uh, the others around them uh, don't pick it up. But the the NL wildcard race below them is really heating up. You've got the Diamondbacks, Adam Snakes, who just uh, completed a three-game sweep of the Chicago Cubs. They've uh, put themselves behind the Phillies currently in that second wildcard spot. The Cubs, Reds, and Marlins fighting below them. That race seems like it's going to come down to a, the wire and it currently feels like it's four teams for two spots. And one of those four teams, presumably, uh, if the Brewers finish off the Central and win the division, will be one of the teams that they play. Uh, so uh, we'll have that to preview in a few weeks. Uh, surely uh before we take a look at all that um i guess adam some some news and notes to start with and it was a significant start... announcement i think uh, yeah. it would be oh, wrong yeah. to start anywhere else but a significant business announcement made by the walkie brewers that's before i caught the plague i met, meant to do my opening monologue to say Hey, six and a half game lead in the National League Central. That is significant business. But uh, I think, Adam, the, the reason everyone ran to this podcast today is uh, the announcement that Northwestern Mutual joins the Milwaukee Brewers with a, uh, a patch on the sleeve. This is why I got into baseball podcasting. This is why I got into baseball in the first place. I just love advertising. Um, uh, I, I do wonder how American Family Insurance is feeling. I don't know if they sell the t- same type of insurance. I don't know how any of this works. Um, but also just like seeing that uh, news leak that there was going to be a press conference about significant business and then for this, this sleeve patch to come out. Uh, I ran through a brick wall after seeing that. I was just so fired up. that, And then I did zoomies in the backyard like a dog. Anyway. Uh Yeah. I, I shared this. People in our Discord will already know this. Um, but I shared when the word came out there was going to be a significant announcement. My first thought was, I I hope this isn't what it is, but I kind of think it is because the previous night against the Miami Marlins, I was watching on and I was horrified at just how large and obnoxious. Uh, I think it's ADP, right? I think that's who the, the Marlins um, patch sponsor is. But just how prominent it was, and I was thinking to myself, God, I'm so grateful the Brewers don't have one of those. Um, and of course, the very next morning after I had that thought, the Brewers themselves announce uh, the jersey patch. The kind of thing that I guess is just a matter of time at this point. Once it was brought into the world of baseball, everyone's going to do it. Um, I guess there's, there's two things to it. One, I never understand. This goes for the NBA and their patches too. Um, I don't know why you can look up like brand elements that Northwestern Mutual have where they're basically navy with yellow text. And you're like, oh, great. You can just like, you could just have some yellow text and it could sit neatly here. But of course, it's always got to be, it's got to be ugly. It's got to be vulgar, Andrew. They've got to make sure that it's a big white patch on the Navy jersey just so it's as ugly as possible so nobody can miss it. Um, so I, I think as as these things go, this is one that aesthetically at least can come somewhat close, although they've done their best to make it ugly all the same. 
impressions through the first series with the patches uh it's pretty small don't no one tell them right no one tell them for next season feels like they they kind of got the wrong side of this deal because they could have had it much bigger um unless there was negotiations on how much it would be for the size of it and coming out the other side of this i don't know i haven't actually seen a financial number reported anywhere that feels kind of weird for me. That sort of happens with sponsorships. Hope it's a good number, and I hope it gets reinvested into the Milwaukee Brewers Ball Club. I don't know. Maybe the stadium. It is worth us just highlighting, because by the time a lot of you listen to this, um, word may be out there. Uh, the great elected representatives of Wisconsin, who do not like to really work through a whole lot of business, but they are going to come out with their plan, um, the Brewers already put forth theirs. We'll see if those things match up for the funding of AmFam today as we record this this morning. So you can expect possibly some talk about that on our next episode. But for now, this is the significant business announcement. And, you know, let's just hope the price was good and that money either A, becomes visible for fans around the stadium, um, maybe stops, you know, friends like our own Jordan Tresky from getting poured on from the roof uh, like he was the other day. Um, or maybe even better, because you're going to get someone else to pay to fix those problems, it seems like. How about we put it into the roster? How about we give some of these guys some extensions? How about it? Every little helps. That should be what the patch is, is doing. Whether it does, we'll see. Maybe maybe it's what's going to uh, fund Norwich City's next great Scandinavian striker. Who could say? Yeah, uh, scouts are in Finland right now trying to get that sorted. Um, that leak the other day on Jordan was a false flag. Uh, they knew they needed a Milwaukee influencer as a crisis actor, so they waited until Jordan was in the ballpark and they made it happen. Um, yeah, like you said, we'll get more information um, on exactly what the stadium funding bill looks like. Uh, because on Friday, a little after we heard about the jersey patch, that this is when the news of this started to leak. And uh, the information we had at the time said estimated bill for taxpayers would be uh, $600 million with money coming from Milwaukee County taxpayers, city of Milwaukee taxpayers, and a little small amount from the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, just like uh, pocket change. Uh a hundred, hundred to one hundred and twenty million dollars was the reported figure, right? Yeah, Pocket which game. just um, just for me to note here because this it was my reaction to you because it always sticks out on these kind of things. Um, that is basically the hundred million is anyway, and I mean you know just for inflation, I don't know maybe a few years have gone by, um. Herb Cole, when he sold the books and Pfizer Farm had to be built, so the team that he no longer owned. Now, there's no denying Herb Cole has, you know, considerable means <laughs> when put into comparison with Brewer's owner, Mark Adonazio. We're, we're talking slightly different worlds here. Um, but he did just donate $100 million towards the construction of Pfizer Farm in selling the team to ensure the team stayed in Milwaukee. So that level of uh, funding from the Brewers not great, and I do believe I'm right in saying that that proposal put forward by the Brewers, as Dan Schaefer um, noted, has them seeking more public funding than the entire cost to build Pfizer Forum just those few years ago. So 
I'm curious to see what the next step is and how the debates on this continue to roll out because, yeah, not great. Really not great. And uh, I don't know, Andrew. I don't know. The optics, some things, I mean, you really, I think you got to get a lot of things right. Um, your your jersey patch deal, oh, I hope you got good money for that. Uh, and I hope we're going to see where that money is going. Surely these are questions that are going to ask, be asked, you know? Um, if we're spending all this money, are we going to see a good team on the field? Got to think people are going to ask these questions. We're not putting all this money into a stadium for a bunch of losers to go out and play and nobody to go and buy tickets and pump money back into the city and the state economy, right? We're going to have winners out there. So continued scrutiny, I would imagine. And I honestly, I would hope on brewer spending and how exactly things are going to play out over the next few years. Um. If I were an insurance company, um, I would want to sponsor a contract extension if I was uh, like um, making a big financial investment. I don't want the jersey patch. I want the Brandon Woodruff extension brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. Like, I think that's like wow, a new that is a great act- idea. Activation. I know. Uh, why did I get out of sports marketing, Adam? Um, the Rays also are set to announce a deal for a new stadium for themselves in St. Petersburg uh, this week. So the TROP is going to, I assume, just be like sent into space like the house at the end of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, Do you think they'll get it right this time, though? I mean... I mean, I I don't know. That's a great question. There is, is, to, to bring it back to for a second, there is something funny about the idea of the leaking roof in Milwaukee by a team that now has not one, but two different sponsorship agreements with insurance companies. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's really, really something that I don't know if I was the insurance companies, maybe again, that's where they, they should step up because I don't know if it's great for their brands, unless they, unless that's specifically what they want is the other side of this, you know, people thinking sure. of what, what do you need when you're, when your roof is leaking and you know, they can look at the name of the stadium. They can look at the patch of the Jersey and they've got options. Jordan would have had options to be whole. Had he slipped and hurt himself. He could either, if he had good insurance, he could cover it that way or he'd call David Gruber and, and get set up that way. So, uh, was Gruber missing out? I mean, surely there's room for, you know, another, a different type of, Gruber Law needs to get in there. I really thought that would be the patch, but I feel like we're doing too many free ads here, unless David Gruber wants to sponsor GSPN, which I do think, you know, reach out to Ty. I think Ty would be very, very open to. If that had been the patch, I would have bought a jersey within five seconds of uh, the announcement going. Like, they could have, it would have been leaked. Uh, You know, the things like this get leaked at them in, in our world. And so we knew we would have known about it early. I mean, we could have just, I would have bought it before the announcement, even before I knew. Um, but yeah, if he wants to sponsor my illnesses or my coughing or some, some sort of, sort of recurring GSPN uh, bit, that would, that would just be fantastic. Um, this article says the Rays will pay for half or more of the $1.2 billion stadium, which is shocking. Um, I'm just going to sit that there. And when we see the full plan this afternoon, maybe we get Jordan Tresky on the calendar to talk about it. Uh, once again, I'll bring Milwaukee's uh, influencer to the, the forefront of this conversation. Maybe um, Numa too. He's got strong opinions on Brewers' ownership, so he might have some takes. 
the thing about him is like I'd be worried that the conversation would be too measured if he came in and like just wouldn't have enough room for debate or heated conversation because he doesn't really bring that to the table. Um, speaking of heated conversation, uh, I will bring this up to you and, and let you and let you cook, as they say. Um, I'll give my take first uh, because it's tepid. Actually, you know what? I might be an asshole. Um, so Joey Weimer's been optioned to AAA Nashville. Blake Perkins has been reinstated from the IL. Weimer's been in a slump for essentially two months now. Obviously, had fallen out of uh, the Brewers' outfield plans as Sal Freelick and Tyrone Taylor have really performed. Mark Canna has acquired. Um, saw himself as a guy that would maybe play against lefties, defensive replacement, pinch runner, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, this is something that we probably knew was coming. Uh, like you said in our Discord, probably thought it would make more sense to save this move for when a guy we'll talk about in a moment is back. Uh, I don't have any problem with Joey Weimer not being on the Major League roster and going to get at bats in Nashville. But what I will say, Adam, here's where the assholishness comes in. Blake Perkins does nothing for me as a baseball player. <laughs> like, it. Just, I mean, I don't think, I think when we're, next season we're not even going to remember that this happened and I ultimately think it doesn't matter but it does nothing for me uh, and I will turn it over to you because you have stronger feelings I mean I, I don't have stronger feelings like Joey Weimer is headed to Nashville because like his play has made that unavoidable at this point and the Brewers are finally at a point of health where they can do that. They haven't been able to all season. And I don't think that has been to his benefit. It wasn't to Bryce Rang's benefit at times. And I actually think Bryce came out like the other side of the worst of his struggles and has managed to kind of continue to contribute, not in exactly the way that everyone would want. His offense is still a problem. But I think he benefited from midseason having the opportunity to go back down to Nashville, work some things out and come back up kind of with that renewed vigor and with a bit more confidence. Joey never got that chance. Um, because of how the outlook has been in the outfield all season, and I just, also to I, be fair to Joey is this he wasn't necessarily supposed to be here the when he was here like he was asked to do something because of an injury and was thrust into like being an everyday player before he was necessarily ready because the team needed it. Yeah, I, I think that's entirely fair, and I think at this point, like you know it's not about this you can't you can't think of it this way but i do think there's something a little bit cruel um just as the team is really firing and you're right in kind of the heat of trying to win a division and at this point you're going to win a division um a young guy who for the struggles offensively i think still has a lot of potential and brewers fans will hope will factor into this team in the years to come i think the organization will still be treating him as such and that might be part of the motivation for, oh, well, we need to work this out. My only argument on that is I think this is a move for like a week. Um, because once Garrett Mitchell is ready, he's getting that spot and Blake Perkins is back out of here. I don't know what you're getting as a benefit for a week in Blake Perkins over Joey Weimer. Um, the final game of the series was illustrative of that, where Joey Weimer could have started against a lefty and actually found something and maybe... <laughs> maybe has a big game. You're like, oh, okay, well, let's see if Joey can work something out. Um, instead, Blake Perkins looked awful. Like, frankly, I, I think he made a really bad play. We might disagree slightly on this, but I thought he made a terrible read 
um, in centre field, which even when he was in right field was something we were talking about earlier in the season, where it's just like balls seem to have a knack for going over his head where there wasn't a whole lot of room for it in the case of the final game against the Nationals. It's one that it was well hit. It was back there towards the wall center field. It's tough to get there. Uh, but he, he just quit on it, and then it kind of dropped, and he was like, oh, it dropped sort of thing. Not the kind of play that Joey Weimer has been making. We know to you know his own uh, physical detriment, Joey Weimer is going to charge right back there and throw his body into whatever he needs to throw his body into to try and make a play. Uh, so, like, Joey Weimer was probably going to miss out when Garrett Mitchell came back up. And at this point, it's kind of like, look, that's fine. You haven't done what you need to do. I don't see what this extra week is going to do to benefit the Brewers. I don't think Blake Perkins will. If Blake Perkins wants to hit a like walk off Grand Slam this week to make me look like an idiot, I will fully embrace that. Um, but I, I think Weimer needs more time than what's left in this season to work his swing out. Um, to work his approach out. And that, to me, has always seemed like an off-season thing, where if Mitchell looks good and Mitchell is healthy, okay, that's how he loses his spot for the playoffs, that's fine. But if that hadn't been the case, I would have been like, look, let Joey stay up and let him get the experience of being around this. You know, he's he's essentially a bench player at this point, but he's a good pinch runner. In my opinion, he's a better pinch runner than Perkins. In my opinion, he's a better defender than Perkins. So it might just be all kind of a moot point and we will move on very quickly because this is probably Garrett Mitchell rather than Blake Perkins soon. I just, I don't really see the point um, because I think Perkins is going to be a very forgettable figure in the next few years to the Brewers. Weimer, maybe it goes that way. Maybe, maybe he never figures it out, but that's certainly not the plan. I don't think that's how the Brewers are accounting for it. And I think whatever he's going to get with some at-bats in Nashville, whatever benefit he's going to get from that this week, is not necessarily going to outweigh, for example, let's say results go the Brewers' way in the next week or so, and they clinch the division, and there are the celebrations of that in the clubhouse. He's been a big part of the team all season. I don't think that's a bad thing for him to be around for. And I, I think for those rookies who have played their part in an injury-stricken season... I think that's kind of fair as fair. If the Brewers are celebrating winning a division and Blake Perkins is getting to soak up that champagne and Joey Weimer is grinding down in Nashville, I, I don't know what the kind of the net benefit developmentally is in that. So I just think from a timing perspective, it's strange because it's likely going to be a short spell for Perkins anyway. I just would have stuck with Weimer for the time being. Yeah, I- and it's well where it's weird for me and and as it relates to what you're talking about guys that have had big contributions to the team at a time and then are now struggling and you want to do them a solid and show them some sort of like not reward but like hey you stuck stuck with it this year no it wasn't always great but thanks for what you did even if they won't be a factor in the playoff roster um is that Brian Anderson is still on this team when he serves no purpose in their mind. Even and... less purpose, honestly, because so with Josh Donaldson in now, like the opportunity at third base is gone. He's not really ever likely to see time in the outfield either. It's like, because they're bringing Blake Perkins up for some outfield opportunity. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. The Brian Anderson thing, like the fact that it was questioned and it was kind of shut down, 
and we did see him get one at bat since. Um, but his place on the roster, I mean, just why they're deciding to do that is more and more bizarre with every passing day. Yeah, why you're doing it with the guy that's not going to be on the team next year, but then, um, why you're just jettisoning Joey to Nashville during a playoff run? It's they don't really compute. Is forty ish at bats helpful? Sure. Is it going to be that meaningful? And what takes him from the struggling player that he is now to a uh, above average major league regular? I don't think so. That's going to take an off season. It's going to take a spring training. It's going to take an April. It's going to take a May. I mean, Joey in Nashville next season figuring things out may very well be a thing that is happening given the glut of talent in the outfield and the glut of talent waiting to debut. So. It's like, like you said, just like, who, why, why, like, what's the purpose? But my original take that I forgot to um, throw into this is until the division's clinched, we talked about rest and everything, but like, I don't want to see anyone other than South Freeland center field. I don't care who's pitching. So that's, that's my big overarching take about this whole situation. And I mean, um, that's, so I'll ultimately pinch it in game three of this series, but, uh, I <laughs> I just don't know why Blake Perkins is out there. And I we shouldn't see him again this week, really. I mean, that's that's the flip side of that too. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I just like this is not the most consequential thing, but I No, it's not. I would I would still like to hope that Joey Weimer can be a consequential part of the Brewers' future with the options they have in the outfield. Like maybe he's a guy that gets traded at some point, but guess what? You want him to be good to be traded. And I, I think there's multiple tracks to that. And I do think getting him to kind of uh, enjoy some of the rewards of, you know, what has been his rookie season and a season of hard work at the pro level. It seems like not a bad thing. Give you give him the taste, give him the motivation to come back. I don't know. Maybe the Brewers way is more old school. And they're like, we're actually we're going to take away the celebrations from him just as he can taste it. And then he's really got to be motivated for next season. Uh, wouldn't be my my particular approach, but maybe that is how the Brewers look at this. Um, He's probably a great person to have in, in a champagne celebration, I would, I would think. It sure um, seems so. like it. It's funny. As I told you about, like, um, kind of re uh reminding myself of how we felt about this team in the beginning of the season is uh it's taken a weird a long way to get there but like what we assumed about each of the rookies has kind of come true sal the most consistent bryce's uh bat being uh not really ready but him making one play a week that makes us go wild defensively and then joey is the wild card so Took a, it took a long and winding road to get there. Um, I'll mention something briefly. Um, Garrett Mitchell's played in three games now, two for 11 to start, two stolen bases yesterday. Went one for three with a, a single and a walk, I think, um, and then a stolen base. So Garrett Mitchell is rehabbing with the sounds. And, uh, yeah, well, as I think Kurt Hogue or Todd Rosiak said the other day, expects to be there through the end of the regular season. And then, like you said, that decision will be made on him likely being back into the mix, which would be nice. Uh, our friend uh, Jordan Tresky dropped in some some details about um, the press conference that's coming a little later, or I don't know if it's a press conference, I don't know what they call it, um, the unveiling of the, the stadium plans. So just like the bullet point 
uh, numbers have kind of been released from what the public funding will be. So $600 million in total, 400 from the state, 135 from Milwaukee County, $67 million from the city of Milwaukee. So I guess uh, we'll have more details on that a little bit later. Is that all the roundup, Adam? Do we got anything else that slipped through the cracks? Um, uh, I think all that is worth saying is that uh, the Shookers have missed the playoffs officially. They are now ah, in yes. playoff contention. Um, they had a tough ask in the, the final series of their season, but that was not to be. Um, the Sounds are currently holding a narrow lead atop the International League West. I believe your local Durham Bulls are holding a lead atop the International League East. So I guess we could have some stuff on the horizon there. Um, but yeah, the Shookers, it wasn't to be in spite of all of the box office Biloxi, you know, happenings this year. Um, in spite of just how many individuals have thrived there. I think it's it speaks to just how good those players are because that is a spot where the Brewers are really um, kind of pushing guys out front and being like, you seem good, here's your opportunity. Like, Biloxi is the place this year where it's really all developmental. This is the next generation of, of Brewers. Um, so for them to have had as good a season and to have got close to the playoffs... I think is a, a testament to the talent that is coming for the Brewers. And I think a lot of that will probably be headed for Nashville and maybe beyond next season. So let's feel good about there. But I think that just that brief roundup of where things stand down the system is worthwhile this time of year too. Indeed. Um, it's it's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. I hope you had the time of your life native of uh, Biloxi, uh, Mississippi, as you watched. The Shockers this season. Um, what, what's with the Green on. Day thing? You can talk about Green Day lately. What's this about? Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened to Green Day in like 10 years. So that's a great That's a lie. You said last week that you listened to one of the albums. American Idiot, was it? Uh, it was a bit. Oh, of course. See, this is... <laughs> you've, just, you've become Jordan Tresky. You can't tell what's a bit and what's not a bit. Yeah. Uh, anyway... Moving on, uh, I just wanted to say uh, that yeah, it was a Alex Antopoulos joke. Is that that's where the, the last one came from? You're right. I need to unpack that in therapy. I can't. I can't even remember what it was. I don't know how closely I read it then to not realize it was a bit. But I, I was just like, this guy sure seems to be into Green Day in the year 2023. What's what's going on? Sometimes I get. Caught in up in so many um bits, Adam, that I've, that I've become a bit. Anyway, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now 
and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Next up on the docket, the Brewers against the Washington Nationals. Friday's series opener pitted Wade Miley against Jake Irvin. It was a uh, a tumultuous start for Miley, and then he would settle things down. Um in the first inning, if this screen would load. Um, you gave up three runs in the first inning. I can help you. You sure did. That. Sorry. You, you know what I was looking for. Um, Lane Thomas homers in the first to make it one nothing. Carter Kibu doubles to right to score Joey Manessis to make it 2 nothing, And then uh, Vargas doubles to center to score uh, Kibu to make it 3 nothing. Uh, so a tough start for Wade Miley. Uh, Post game. In the interview, he credited uh, William Contreras for getting him back on track. William Contreras, he of an eventual game-tying three-run homer uh, that we'll get to, um, tied things up at three uh, after the game. Uh, or uh, Miley said that uh, mid-game, Contreras made the call to scrap the game plan and kind of change up their plan of attack on the mound. Miley says, Willie hats off, obviously, with Big Homer, being able, but being able to make a change on the fly, we flip-flopped it, the swings got different. They didn't seem to readjust. Um, so, William Contreras went acquired, obviously. Ooh, big offensive con- contributor behind the plate. The defense isn't quite there, but we'll see what the Brewers catching lineup can do. Instead, it seems like from a pitch-framing perspective, from a working-with-pitchers perspective, William Contreras is just, like, impacting this team all the way around. Uh, as we... Saw the other day via Kurt Hoke, now leads all catchers in F4. Like, just a, another William Contreras uh, appreciation podcast. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the talk when they acquired him was, I guess, in line of some of what he did for Atlanta, which was, oh, look, he's going to DH a lot because, yeah, as much as, as much as he will play some catcher, like, this is, this is the guy who was at, the thing that we used to, I guess, talk through was, you know, when he was being talked about as, oh, the Brewers just acquired an all-star catcher. I was like, well, you know, he was an all-star DH rather than all-star for his catching necessarily. Uh, that's very much changed, and I would fully expect William Contreras to be an all-star catcher uh, next season because he is doing it all. And that was after our first inning, and for someone as experienced as Wade Miley, too, um, and someone who clearly reads the game like him to just be like, yeah, it was first inning and Contreras just picked up on an Amiji, flipped the game plan, and that really got Wade Miley, you know, true smooth sailing from then on. Just couldn't quite get the final out to go six innings. Um, but no runs allowed beyond that, and honestly, very little contact. Like, it was just... Really, really good stuff. That's a big, big deal, and we don't need to talk about his hitting. Uh, we will talk about it anyway in a moment because he just keeps coming up so, so big for the Brewers. But, 
he's doing it all. Like this is the the conversation I think after this game was happening. You, I was like, if if it was really being kind of fleshed out and beyond the flashy names who are up front and are really gonna kind of be at the forefront of this conversation. It's like I know he hasn't got enough home runs on this season to fully kind of get there. But it's like hypothetically, where in an NL MVP conversation, if you were to go down the list, does William Contreras rank? And to me, I was feeling like he's top ten. You kind of, you know, off the top of your head, went along with that towards the kind of the back end of the ten, considering how he was got the price that the Brewers paid, uh, which was really nothing. That is such a big, big deal. And I don't want to make it seem like it's a surprise because it's not. Because at the time, we were blown away by the Brewers being able to get him for what they did. But if there is one thing we didn't necessarily expect, it's for him defensively to be the caliber of catcher he's been, which is right in the conversation for the best catcher in baseball. And just to... Uh, to validate you, Adam, and your opinion there, he is currently ninth in the National League in Fangrass wins above replacement. So there you go. I don't I'm, know. Look, you know I always need numbers to validate my opinion. Yeah, you love numbers so much. <laughs> so I, I feel great now that you provided that. Um, I was really validating you, though, because that's kind of the, the kind of spot you put him to. I, I just think that's a really cool and exciting thing because there's so much else with this Brewers team that we can look to. Um, the fact that Contreras is performing most consistently at that level, it's a big, big deal. He's he's probably been the Brewers, uh, so probably he's been the Brewers' best position player this season, and he I think he's right in the conversation with someone like Devin Williams for the best Brewer on the season overall. Meanwhile, the National League MVP race between Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna Jr. is absurd right now. As I look at this list. Adam is a big numbers guy. Um Miley ends up going five and two thirds innings, five hits, just the three runs in the first, two walks, three strikeouts after the adjustments made after the three run first. Um in the fifth inning, like we said, William Contreras just absolutely crushes a three run homer to tie the game with the Rowdy Telez and Christian Yaljohn. Ties the game at three, five hundred and fifty six feet homer. Um Carlos Santana makes it back-to-back by homering to right center to make it 4-3. Santana adds another homer in the eighth to make it 5-3. So uh, Brewers start this game down 3-0, claw their way back. Trevor McGill throws a a one and a third innings of scoreless relief. Admiral Uribe comes in and throws a six-inning, or six-pitch inning, excuse me, in the eighth. And then Devin Williams closes things down by striking out the side in the ninth. Brewers win 5-3 behind an uh, impressive turnaround from Wade Miley and homers from William Contreras and a couple of homers from Carlos Santana. Uh, moving on to Saturday's game. I'm going to rely on you uh, for a bit on this one, Adam, just because I was watching this on a phone screen uh, as I was catching illness. Um, Corbin Burns facing off against uh, Trevor Williams. Uh, and of note after, obviously, the great work he did uh, the night before. Uh, William Contreras back behind the plate to catch Corbin Burns um, in instead of uh, Victor Caratini, who had kind of settled in as Corbin's personal catcher for most of this season, and obviously we saw a lot of that last season as well. Corbin came out guns blazing and, and looked really good, uh, especially in the first few innings. Um, Brewers 
looked very good in the first inning as well. Mark Canna in the first singles to center to score. South Freelick, that makes it one nothing. Willie Adamas sacrifice fly makes it two nothing. And then a rowdy to less single uh, scoring. Carlos Santana makes it three nothing. Uh, Nationals get their first run in the third inning on a Luis Garcia homer to right center. I don't have his full series stats, but he seemed to really torment the Brewers in this series. Um, in the fourth this game, Tyrone... this game, just it's worth noting. I mean, he made two ridiculous defensive plays because I think it's easy to uh, hit a couple of home runs to lead with his offense in the series. He made some nice defensive plays again in the the final game too, but yeah. I, I said this to you during this game. Him and Abrams as a second base shortstop combo, like they really seem legit. I know, you know, things are pretty grim for the Nationals this season and they've had a eventful few years since winning a World Series. But if I was watching on a Nash if I was watching a lot of Nationals games, even Andrew, um, I would be very excited about seeing that particular duo quite a lot, because they really are something pretty exciting. Yeah, and that's uh, you bring up another guy and um, in C.J. Abrams, and he had a tough game in this game. Um, and I I don't have his full series numbers in front of me, but he was the kind of headlining prospect uh, that they got back in the deal for Juan Soto, along with Mackenzie Gore, and uh, ah, there's another guy that's in their system who's going to be. An absolute stud. I can't remember his name, but uh, Abrams has gone through some growing pains at the major league level, but seems to be settling in as a as a really solid player that they'll be able to make a core of whatever the next version of the Nationals is. Um, Brewers knock out Trevor Williams after two innings. You just hate to see it. Um, tough, tough look for old Trev. Uh, it looked like he was going to break down in tears at certain points in this game. So uh, good work for the Brewers to get to him. After the Tyrone Taylor homer in the fourth, it's 4-1 Brewers. Uh, Josh Donaldson's RBI single in uh, the fifth inning makes it 5-1. to one. So things going well for the Brewers through five innings. Uh, the only run coming on that Luis Garcia homer in the fourth. Uh, I'm going to read out what happened in the sixth, and then you kind of just give me the blow-by-blow of when the uh the the uh, mental breakdown happened, so in the sixth with a five one lead, Corbin Burns opens the sixth by getting a, a foul out to first base. C.J. Abrams then walks, um, reaches second on an air by Burns trying to pick him off, strikes out Lang Thomas swinging. So two outs in the sixth, and two outs runs being scored. Uh, in otherwise good outings has been kind of a trend for Burns in the last few weeks, um, or months, excuse me, um. Kyber Ruiz singles, puts runners on the corners. Uh, Joey Manessis singles to score C.J. Abrams, makes it 5-2. Walks Dominic Smith. Uh, Carter Keboom reaches on an infield single uh, to score Kyber Ruiz, makes it 5-3. Luis Garcia draws a bases-loaded walk to score Joey Manessis, makes it 5-4. Elvis Pagaro comes in uh, and gets Jake Alou to ground out. So an otherwise sterling outing goes awry in the sixth. Burns goes five and two-thirds, five hits. Four runs, three walks, nine strikeouts. I was seeing Twitter go crazy with, uh, you know, Burns just lost it physically and mentally in in one inning. And I, I guess where when did it start? What was the inciting incident? And just kind of what happened? Oh, um, I, I think it starts with the 
it was a four pitch walk to Smith. I mean, it just it really kind of snowballs pretty quickly from there. It was really apparent to me watching. I was like, okay, this is this has happened a few times, and we've talked a lot about Corbin's up and down season. And I'll see at this point, I'm I kind of fed up with some elements of this, which I get to more in a moment. Um, because they just seem to be recurring, and to me, are just like we know Corbin Burns is a psycho and it's part of what's made him great, but there's also parts of this he's doing to himself when he's not pitching well. And he's just not finding the ability to let one bad break kind of put it to the side, carry on, go and do your stuff and get out of there. Like it seems the rest of the pitchers on this roster do like he's something of an exception in terms of his attitude, his demeanor, um, but I, I think that four-pitch walk was a sign that things were bad. The control was not recovering from there. And I mean, there were, there were a couple of standout moments for me. I feel like it was when it went to 5-4. Um, Craig Council came to the top step of the dugout. and or No, sorry, it was when it went to 5-3, went to the top step of the dugout. And essentially just, like, chewed him out. Like, started shouting at him. And it was like, get it together. Like, get yourself out of this. And I think the way I described you at the time was, as much as I would say Craig should have pulled him there, and I think it's what I would have done, I would have actually pulled him before that, you could see Council being like, you're Corbin fucking Burns, essentially. Which is the kind of thing that, in theory, should work for Corbin too. I think also when we look at how the Brewers have been stretched lately and how they ended up being stretched the next day and that playing some sort of factor in terms of their ability to win a game that went deep to extra innings, Council's just like, I need my starters to do their job. I need them to get as much as they can out of a game to save the bullpen. I don't need guys coming in for single outs here or there. Like, we just, we don't need that. So he did all he could to get Corbin to turn around. That didn't happen. Um, Corbin just kind of lost it, though. Could easily have been ejected. There was... Um, who was that to? Was it Garcia? Where there was the the swing where Corbin insisted that he had gone? Alou, maybe? Do you know who that was? Can you remember? You probably can't because you were watching on the go compared to me. No, I know... Uh... So Alug was the was the one that ended the inning when Pugero came on. Um, so it could have been Kybert Ruiz, Manessis, Dom Smith, Carter Keboom, or Garcia, if those are the kind of the guys that were hitting in that inning. But anyway. Yeah, I, th- I do think it was Garcia. Um but there was a strike. <laughs> Corbin was was convinced it was a strike. It was Luis Garcia. Uh, that Luis Garcia had swung and he hadn't he hadn't gone he checked the swing it showed it quite clearly after the fact but it's just at this point like you've already lost control as in your command is gone you're now screaming at the umpire for calls that are not incorrect it's like get your head in the game this is a really a game that I think we've probably glossed over the first inning that he pitched in this game is maybe the best inning I've seen a Brewers pitcher throw all season he was amazing. His stuff has never looked better. This is obviously off the back of a really strong start last time out. Corbin's talking about adjustments he's made, um, having really reviewed what he's doing physically for the first time in well over a year, I believe it was, he said. 
um, and said, oh, that's what I need to do. That's what I've stopped doing and felt that after a couple of days work, he was right back there like at his best. And this start was exactly that until the sixth when it got out of hand. But I think it is just when it snowballs, you just see this maniac come out. And it's it's what we love about him when things go well. But it's also, I've I've talked about this before. I remember this from when I was, before I was watching Brewers games. And I just see this stuff, like, in the periphery of my book's focus timeline, people used to go on about Corbin. And in the early days, like, you can pinpoint one of the big switches from him being a guy who had major problems to becoming Corbin Burns' eventual Cy Young winner to him getting his emotions in check and to being someone who just had a better feeling and understanding for how to manage a game, how to ride with some of the ups and downs. And I feel like we've said this good few times this season, that's kind of gone or it's certainly abandoned them to some extent. Now I've joked about this multiple times too. Maybe he's angrier than previous seasons for a reason this year. Maybe he's trying particularly hard to go out there and pitch better than he's ever pitched and make a real point of this based on how things played out between him and the Brewers and arbitration last offseason. I don't know. All of that speculation, he's got a point to prove for a whole variety of reasons. I've no doubt he wants to win. He wants his team to win. Uh, but he just he just melted down. He lost control and he melted down. I think Craig Council could have saved Corbin and the team from himself. But the reality is the bullpen arms are pretty precious at this point, And you're just backing Corbin Burns to get out of it. And instead of buckling down, taking a few deep breaths and doing that, he was he really did the opposite in this situation, which is he got more and more worked up. Just not great, honestly. At this point, for as much as we're seeing some starts that are really good, I'm not all that confident in what he's bringing. I and mean, we're going to be approaching a playoff series and we're like, okay, well, we're going to have a Corbin Burns start, a Brandon Woodruff start, and a Freddie Peralta start. There is no doubt right now which of those three is the most combustible. It's Corbin Burns. And that's kind of weird, but it's also it's not exactly what you want if you're the Brewers. So, I don't know. I'm going to be very interested to see how he finishes out the regular season. I'm going to guess he probably has, what, two starts left? Um, Yeah, looks like two starts left for Corbin. And then, then we're watching pitch playoff games. Uh, I'd like to not just see, you know, how his stuff looks in those two starts. I'd like to see how he's going to hold up mentally and what his demeanor is like out there. Because I I think this was bad. And I think this is indicative of when stuff goes wrong for him, this has been the case. And the Brewers are just lucky and Corbin is lucky that that sixth inning didn't end up being something that cost them a game where they had been playing very well against the Nationals up until that point. This is very likely the last dance for yeah. Corbin as a brewer. And fans will always remember, or remember, uh, I sound like the member berries from uh, South Park. Fans will always remember the 2020 uh, season with the shortened season where he really unlocked something for 60 innings, carried that into a Cy Young winning 2021. Uh, obviously, was the workhorse last year, still had an ERA under three. And then this year, it's. Uh, gone to a place of inconsistency eight no hit innings or uh starts where you give up four runs in one inning and and ruin a quality start the next two starts as you said and then the playoffs start are going to be kind of what the final memories are 
before we talk about all kinds of trade packages uh, in the offseason. And is this a come there, to Jesus moment or is it the beginning of an unraveling? There are lasting memories too. Uh, so I was going to say what fans will also remember, Andrew, is how it finishes. Because when all of this went down last year with arbitration and Corbin was chirping, I don't think there was any doubt as to the side all the fans were on. If he has a weak season and that finishes with him having a really ugly showing in the playoffs, that's going to change part of the narrative and the legacy on a guy who's been absolutely incredible for the Brewers. Like, is, I don't know, again, is that part of the pressure that feeds into him this season and just this real desire to go out and prove points and be the best he can be? I don't know. But you've got two starts and then you're in the playoffs and for how dominant he has been as a Brewer starter, part of your legacy is going to be defined by well, what are the terms you're gonna you're gonna leave on? We know what the terms with the the ownership and the front office might be like, but what are they gonna be like with the fans? What is the what is the kind of the farewell moment gonna be? Because if it's much more like the early days, Corbin Burns that just didn't look like he might ever get it together, then it will be him in his peak. I don't know. People feel quite different about it. Like, I, I do honestly think we feel differently about it. Like, Corbin Burns is Corbin Burns. Um, maybe not in the way that Craig Council wanted him to be when he's out at the steps of the dugout reminding him. But it's like, he still is the guy and he can be that at a, that kind of peak level again, considering where he's at in his career. I think we we feel that, we respect that. But I also think Something we've been saying from early in the season is that Brandon Woodruff is the the starting pitcher on this team. He's just like he's the go take care of business guy, and a lot of the time, certainly throughout this season, and we know what he's missed a lot of time. But what he's just been better, and Freddie Peralta pitching better. It's like if Corbin is gone, that is going to be a big loss. It's disappointing, but right now he's not making it feel like I think we thought it would feel or we expected it to feel which is this is a disaster this is someone who is the brewers pitching staff it's like well right now it's not always the best of it he's he often seems out of character with the kind of personality of the wider staff too i don't know it's it's really interesting he is a weird guy like i i just in a i think this caliber of starting pitcher tends to have some personality quirks. We were talking about this kind of collectively in our in our Discord the other day. And I, I really think that's kind of something that Corbin is representative of. Like different kind of cat. The personality type to be like this makes you just a little bit different. And when you don't have your best stuff, I don't know if like it's channeled in a way that is uh gonna grit your way out of it necessarily or gonna be to the betterment of everyone around you. So I thought this was a a pretty painful one to watch and a very frustrating start and really all the whining and complaining. I was like, yeah, it kind of missed me with this. This is a game where the Brewers were playing well as a team. So this is uh, was on track to be, I, I mean, it still actually was because he didn't get the win. It's nine consecutive games since Corbin Burns has registered a win. Uh, yeah, most that of is, that's not his fault though. <laughs> most of it's not, but there are some games in there it's like, this is an occasion where he's got the run support. Because everyone's like, oh, why can't Corbin Burns got the run support? Like, the team are playing well. It's fan appreciation night. Um, stadium's packed out. People are having a good time. And he just lost it. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird one. I mean, his his fuck you is both his uh, strength and his weakness, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, at the beginning of this, I withheld a joke that I will make to you um, off air um, for risk of inciting something. Um, so I'm not going to do that. And uh, I will circle back with you in a bit on that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is this is it <laughs> it's it's crazy to me that like uh the standard that you set for yourself uh as a starting pitcher in baseball where your disaster season is the, the eighth best qualified era in the national league after that like blow up game like th- that must be frustrating and then like you said i i don't the arbitration thing, we made a lot of angry things uh, at the beginning of the season and have made jokes about it since, but kind of think once that calendar fl- page flips to April, you just need to, like, get over it. Um, oh, yeah, but, but do you think do you think he's done that? Do you think that's how he's been able to view it? Um, That's a good question. I mean, the... the like, we are I in mean, pure speculation, but should we... In in you speculating about this, do you put a game like this one's plenty of others he's had this season? Do you think we should just completely discount that and be like, oh well, you know, he said he's a pro and he's past that. Like his demeanor to me, I I don't have the benefit of having watched years of Corbin Burns. His demeanor to me is very different to last year's Corbin Burns though. Like oh yeah, absolutely, com- completely. There is an anger there. That is representative of what I have seen of the early years, Corbin Burns, the guy who couldn't just keep a lid on it in all ways. Like things would get away from him because control wasn't there. And he he became like this weird <laughs> kind of Zen like monk figure, it seemed like at his very best, with no one under any illusions that just below the surface. I mean, he could snap at any moment, but he wasn't snapping. I uh... this year the brewers are good, but he's still snapping. This year's version of Burns from a personality standpoint, based on the things we see on the field, is like Scherzer light, but with like yes. an element of snark added to it. Um, like the way he'll like sprint into the dugout and that sort of thing, or like when he spikes a ball. It's snarky Scherzer light. Um even after this game, and and don't worry, we have we've kind of buried the lead with this whole podcast because we're gonna talk with the great joyous thing, one of the signature moments of the brewer season, uh, very shortly. But after the game, like there's post game media availability, and Corbin's asked about that, and he's just like, "Oh well, I've never done anything as cool as that." I was like, "Shut up! Like, just shut up! Like, what do you you don't know what that feels like? It's your Corbin Burns. Like, I I just I think there's something there that I don't I don't think is one. It's got to bring your best stuff, but two, it's not what you want to be bringing to the table at this time of the year. It's like. I feel like last year Corbin Burns have a game like this. I don't think he'd have lost control in the same way. I don't think it would have happened quite like that. Uh, I think if he got out, it would have win. We would have just seen him kind of brush past and be like, next start. We're nearly in the playoffs. Like the fact that last year they missed the postseason. This year they're all but there. And it just feels like the attitude is in, you know, the, the reverse of where the places it should have been. It's it's not making me feel very comfortable or particularly thrilled with what's coming. I hope he comes out, looks great, you know, looks very zen 
for his final two starts, and then he can pick up and really shove in, in the playoffs. Because that is the ceiling of the Brewers. Like, we can talk about feeling really good about what's there, but if Corbin Burns is the best version of themselves, that's the path to where, like, a fairy tale could happen, and the Brewers could go and win it all. And if it's not, if it's, like, this version of the guy, well, you're going to be hard-pushed to make sure you, you win a series. Like, so... That's the reality of it too. Both that's kind of within one week, <laughs> within one game, it's as it was in this. In one game, yeah, the, uh, yeah. The first, <laughs> the first few innings, um, yeah. Elvis Pagaro comes on, gets out of the inning. It's five four. Survivor forty six is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We're getting a lot of juice out of this orange, Adam. Um, Brewers go down scoreless in the bottom of the sixth. Elvis Figueroa throws uh, a scoreless seventh, allowing just a single. Um, Brewers again go down in the bottom of the seventh, still holding a 5-4 lead. Yoel Piamps comes into the game, allows uh, Joey Manessis to reach on an infield single. Michael Chavis pinch runs for Manessis. Uh, Piamps proceeds to get the, the next two guys out on a strikeout and a foul. Out. A Luis Garcia single puts runners on the corners with two outs, and a Jake Alou single ties the game at five. Um, but never fear. Mark Canna is here um, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Kyle Finnegan comes in to pitch for the Nationals uh, after a Tyrone Taylor double. South Freelick reaches on an infield single. William Contreras ground out, puts runners on second and third. Carlos Santana draws a uh, big two-out walk. Mark Canna steps to the plate, crushes a grand slam, into left field, makes it nine to five, gives us a nice pose and a bat toss, we'll call it, throws it to the heavens. Brewers lead nine to five. Willie Domus lines out to center uh, in the inning. But what seemed to be in the ballpark, we weren't there. One of the more electric moments of the season. The crowd was up for it. Great atmosphere. And Mark Hanna delivers the goods. Um, talk about that while I do something else. As as you say, you know, we weren't there. I think it's worth saying that because generally we are there for the most electric moments in the ballpark, Andrew. <laughs> uh, but to mention our friend Jordan Chesky again, I was given a lot of credit for, you know, my my impeccable, my un, undefeated trip, uh, Brewers, Books, Games earlier in the year. The truth was we had a certain someone with us for all of those games. Uh, who has long officially been known as Milwaukee Sports Lucky Mascot, which is Jordan Tresky. And uh, yeah, Jordan was in the building. So having been with us for Bryce Tarang's Grand Slam on opening on the for the home opener, uh, having been with us for Garrett Mitchell's walk off home run, um, 
Jordan was, of course, there for Mark Hanna's big moment. What a moment it was. Um, I kind of, I want to shout out the the broadcast, the Bally Sports Wisconsin broadcast, for those who weren't there. And Brian Anderson gave credit to um, Statsman Dominic Catronio, who Bruce signs will know well, for his contribution on it, because I thought it was an interesting stat before the moment happened when it was given, which is that Mark Hanna had just been like going at attacking first pitch throughout the night. It's not something that is generally a characteristic of his approach, but he had been, I mean, with some decent success too, really, really attacking the Nationals pitchers on first pitch all night. And so here we go. Game tied. Bases loaded. What's he do? First pitch. He absolutely rips one. Uh, we've talked a lot about our love for Mark Hanna and his personality. He's a really fun guy who, I mean, I think it was clear at the time was a really strong addition. Kind of feels like the perfect addition right now for what he's giving. Like, I mean, the combination of him and Santana has really been a game changer for the Brewers. And once again, let's tip our hats to Matt Arnold on that. He did a really, really great job in getting his team what it needed. And they have kicked on to create this kind of separation and to set up what will hopefully be a fun few weeks ahead. Um, but Canna is just so consistent. What we see from him in terms of his approach from game to game is really, really the kind of thing that we've wanted to see from so many different guys on this roster over the past couple of seasons. And he delivers that, and then he has a flair for the dramatic like this. He's talked about it after the fact as being one of the best moments of his career. He tweeted out his his thanks to Brewers fans in the aftermath. Um, just a really special moment on that night with all those fans in the building and with the stakes of the season, where you're at in the game. And again, a game they're playing really well. Corbin Burns has something of a meltdown, then the game is just being tied. And it did feel entirely at that point like, oh, this is a loss. Like I don't know how, but the Brewers are losing this game. All momentum had gone to the Nats. So for him to step up and say, no, no, not today, and crush that one, just a colossal deal in the season. And then you also like you take it within the context of what's happening with the Cubs and what happens with the Cubs later that night, happens with the Cubs the, the day after that. It's it's a crucial moment in the season. Who knows what happens if it goes another way? Thankfully, it didn't. Mark Hanna delivered. Yeah, we talked about at the deadline what we were expecting from Santana and Canna, and it was just league average bat, like give enough production to be an upgrade over who it would be in that lineup if we didn't make a move. And Santana, thanks to his power, has been that. He's been, you know, 99 OPS plus. That's league average. You take that production every day. Mark Canna's been just insane. Like... Uh, we didn't see 319, 404, 481 uh, with five homers coming. Um, and it's he's been everything you could ask for and more. Um, and, and Santana's power has been great as well. I mean, there's there's a streakiness to what Santana has done, but uh, nine homers in the 41 games since they acquired him have, have been huge as well. I mean, obviously he... Um, had the tie-breaking homer in game one and then a go-ahead homer later in that same game. So uh, great work for the position player trade deadline acquisitions. Uh, rest of this game. Well, well put, well put. Although, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll give credit. We'll give credit where, where credit is due in a moment. Um, 
the the other uh, did, did you say this i know you talked about dom um but dom also posted the video of uh the side-by-side comparison of mark canna hitting the homer and craig council going directly to no the bullpen i didn't phone. i didn't which was great uh, it was really fantastic it was uh, so ball hasn't even landed. Craig's getting the plans back in order to close out the game. And Hobie Milner would come and close out the game. Ground out by uh, CJ Abrams, ground out by Lane Thomas, ground out by Caber or line out by Caber Ruiz. Ends the game. Brewers win nine to five. Mark Hanna plays the hero. Um, game three of this series, the Sunday finale. Brandon Woodruff takes his hill against Patrick Corbin. Um, and there goes that man again in the second inning, Luis Garcia homers to make it one nothing nationals uh brewers get one back in the six on a carlos santana sack fly um brandon woodruff was excellent other than the homer just great work six innings three hits just the one run no walks six strikeouts um you know we're spoiled we're coming off the heels of a complete game shutout but you know i guess we'll take six innings of elite pitching from brandon woodruff uh uh, the, there's a thing, Adam, in the last, I don't know, decade of baseball um, where, you know, you've got your ace going. It's it's that it's that guy day. And I think Brandon Woodruff is at the point in his Brewers career where he's earned uh, it's Brandon Woodruff day. That's I think that's what I would say about his starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean. You take the homer out of it, you take uh, the the one that I think. Like Perkins should have maybe caught. Uh, certainly have played better. That ended up being a double uh, in the sixth inning, I think, if I remember correctly. And like Woody was, Woody is really not giving up hits, no walks. Um, the same number of pitches, 106 pitches, I do believe, was how yep, many pitches <laughs> he, he threw in his complete game shutout. So had to work a little bit harder today to finish guys off, but he did the job. He really looked great. And I think the Brewers can't feel any better about how Brandon Woodruff is looking at this time of year. So, yeah, shout out to Woody again for for bringing the goods. The goods he did bring. Um, after uh, that, there was just a, a bunch of scoreless baseball. Hobie Milner, uh, a scoreless inning. Uh, Bryce Wilson got into a little bit of trouble, only recorded one out, uh, a hit and a walk. And then Andrew Chafin comes on. To induce the ground ball double play, we were we were very very concerned at the time, Adam. We we thought, you know, what is happening here? Like I said, people were coming up to me with tears in their eyes, wondering why wasn't Abner Rebe available for use in this game. But Chafin got the job done, and for that I part, honestly, Andrew, like just because you made the reference to like Craig Council not even giving himself a second to enjoy Marcana's grand slam because he wanted to get Trevor McGill sitting down. What was that for? Trevor McGill Great wasn't question. available to pitch in this game. I don't know. I'm going true six pitches, was it, in game one? Um, yeah, six pitches in game one, didn't play game two, wasn't available in game three. Trevor McGill true 19 pitches in game one, didn't play game two, was sat down and wasn't available for game three. Not quite sure there. So, yeah, council decided with Bryce Wilson having found himself in an uncharacteristic spot of butter to be like what we need right now to get out of this spot is Andrew Chafin and Andrew Chafin delivered. Um, We didn't talk about this beforehand, Andrew, but I do think for two outs with one pitch, 
and you know all the baggage that comes with being Andrew Chafin, we should pro- possibly you know could talk about him again in a moment. We should consider it. Uh yeah, we can talk about it in a minute. Uh, <laughs> it's tough. I, I don't. I know <laughs> it's tough. I don't want to. I never want to do it. Um, I'd rather exclude him from the party. But contextually, I know this ends up being a law, so that was a big, well, big spot. And he, he gave them every chance to actually just go and go and sweep the series, and I didn't think he would. But we can talk about that in a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm. I need to c- consult my conciliary uh, before making a commitment, so we can talk about them, that in a moment. Uh, Devin Williams comes on, throws a scoreless ninth to uh, get the Brewers to the bottom of the ninth. Um, Brewers would get some runners on in the bottom of the night. Uh, Carlos Santana reaches on an infield single. Willie Adamas draws a walk, and then uh, Josh Donaldson pop out and Andre Monasterio strike out um, in the inning. That heads that gets us to extra innings. Thiago Vieira comes on and pitches a scoreless top of the tenth. Great work from him to get the Brewers to the bottom of the tenth. Um, with the game still tied and chance to walk things off. And this is, this is where the Brewers should have won it and didn't. Tyrone Taylor strikes out the lead off the inning with the Andre Monasterio um, on second base. This then Victor Caratini singles to right. Monasterio does not read the, the base hit correctly, hesitates, pauses, doesn't get a good jump off second base. Instead that puts runners uh, on the corners uh, with one out should have been a walk off single for, for Caratini. And instead, uh, after a South Freelick walk and a Mark Canna fielder's choice, a William Contreras ground out to second ends the inning. Brewers are unable to walk it off. Thiago Vieira stays on uh, for the 11th. Uh, Elaine Thomas uh, fly out to right, gets C.J. Abrams to third. A Joey Manessis sack fly to center, scores Abrams to make it 2-1 uh, in the 11th. Um, a Bryce Trang sacrifice bunt gets William Contreras to third with one out. Willie Adamas is intentionally walked. And then Rowdy Tellez grounds into a double play to end the game. Brewers lose 2-1, uh, a game that they easily could have won. Easily could have won. I will bring up something that I have discussed at you. Um, I think Craig made a mistake here. I think Craig made a mistake just in terms of Rowdy Tellez ultimately ends up grounding into a double play, having scorched a ball admittedly low. Um, towards the first baseman, and um, Chavis made an incredible play on that. But that's kind of what <laughs> well, almost you expect to happen when Rowdy is up there facing a lefty, which is what Craig has long refused, even when Rowdy was at his best to put him in that spot. Um, when Santana was taken out for Bryce to come in as a pinch runner, I would have I would have brought Rowdy in when you had a chance to go and seal this game. And instead, Monasterio uh, went up and struck out with a really weak at-bat, and he didn't have a good game at the plate at all. But that was the chance where you got Rowdy, who's had a really good series up to that point. Um, has been hitting the ball really, really hard in the admittedly limited opportunity he's had in September to go up and face a righty. It's like, to me, that was go in the game. Craig held off on that, and then you're bringing him in right after the Monasterio bat to be the defensive replacement for Santana anyway. Like, I don't know. I guess the only reasoning I could see for that is so that Rowdy isn't starting the next inning as your runner at second. Uh, but that is a very negative view to take on it because, 
hey, maybe he actually goes and he he gets your game winning hit and you get out of there and you don't have to worry about that. So that was, I guess, my my one thing I think is worth talking about there. Um, Rowdy ends up hitting into a game-ending double play against a lefty after Craig purposely decided not to give him the opportunity to win it against the righty and left a, a struggling Monasterio in there to uh, to just strike out pretty pretty tamely. Well, Adam, if it was for base running, that sure went well. Um yeah, that's true as well. See, I didn't even think yeah, of that may, part. You know, maybe, maybe, Rowdy, Rowdy... maybe Rowdy would be powering. You know how I like when yeah, the big guy gets counter... motored around those bases. Maybe he counteracts the speed disadvantage by just like getting a really good jump and the the read has, off the bat. He has that no other Marcieri option to getting a really good jump, you see. So, um, Who knows? But I do want to say credit to Michael Chavis, though, because that was a hell of a play. Like, dives, touches the bag at first, throws home to get uh Contreras who <laughs> was running on contact and then in between the base pads just shell shocked at what had happened. Um yeah, Brewers take two out of three in the series. Um six and a half game lead in the division. Uh seven on the Reds. Overall, a positive, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um you don't like the sour taste of a Sunday finale loss, but after going down uh three nothing in Friday's game and then after the the drama of Saturday it's kind of, kind of one you just have to chalk up to sometimes this happens, although there were the moments you can pick out in the game where individual uh, mistakes led to this. Uh, do you want to go to the Master Brewer leaderboard, Adam? I, I think the uh, the survey results have just gotten back um, from the, the master text I just sent out. You, did you chat with the dogs? Was that what it was? You consulted the dogs, see what, see what they thought? My pharmacist, actually. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh God, I'm dying here. <laughs> this is worse than usual. Uh, what I'm about to have to do is making me sicker. Um, not this part. This part's great. Uh, Mark Canna, three beers, grand slam, game winner, just consistent model of production in the lineup. Uh, Brandon Woodruff gets a beer. Devin Williams gets a beer. Admiral Uribe gets a beer. Hobie Milner gets a beer. Trevor McGill gets a beer. Thiago Vieira gets a beer. Elvis Peguero. William Contreras. Carlos Santana. Raddy Telez. Sal Freelick. Victor Caratini, Willie Adamas. You may be saying, why did Willie get a beer for a one-for-nine performance? He had four walks and played really good shortstop, uh, I should say. Made a couple of really nice plays, especially on Sunday. Um, and then, Adam, you know what? I'll do it. Andrew Chafin. Add him to the list. It's been a tough go of it. Uh, but he, he came up big when the Brewers needed him. Uh, I'm assuming that's what you wanted me to do. I Look, I think it's a good job that with the one pitch, he made a count because I don't know if, if it wasn't the first pitch, probably the second one is is not going to work so well. Um, I just had no fate. We'll have no fate still the next time he ends up in that spot, which he shouldn't ever again. But the fact that it was such high stakes, high jeopardy moment, nobody thought he could do it. And he just stepped up there and with his, with his only pitch of the game, delivered the double play needed to get out of the inning. Yeah, I, th- I think he deserves the recognition for all of the crapping on him, deservedly so, um, that we've done. I think that was a moment where the Brewers could have come out of that with a win, and yeah, someone might have walked it off, but Andrew Chafin would have sneakily been one of the heroes of the game, so I don't think he should be punished for, uh, say, Andrew Monasterio's failure to read Victor Caratini 
setting him up for a potential game-winning run. So, Andrew Chafin, I still probably never want to see you pitch for the Brewers again, but I, I thank you for your service in this game. You did your part very well, and congratulations on your beer. Yes, Andrew Chafin, and and anyone on this Brewers team, you know, when when we when we have to criticize you, we still like you as people, and that goes for a lot of players around Major League Baseball, but not Patrick Corbin and Trevor Williams. We don't like you. Uh, anyway, looking ahead to the business end of the season, well, let, let's give you the top the top of the leaderboard update again. Uh, 149 games played. Devin Williams leads the way at 33. William Contreras hot on his heels at 32. Christian Yelich at 26. Yoel Piams and Corbin Burns at 24. Hobie Milner and Willie Adamas at 23. So. That's the the upper echelon there. GSPN dot Substack. Um, you know, Adam, you 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 cracked uh, you cracked the whip at me um the other day, and you're like, you know what? We need to get more Brewer stuff up on Substack. So you know, maybe I'll I'll write some uh, some off season content a little later in the year. But but that's uh, not entirely an accurate representation of what happened. But look, I support that entirely. Uh, but that that made me out to be some sort of taskmaster here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, perspective. It's all about perspective, Adam. Um, where's I going with this? Anyway, looking ahead to the week ahead, the Brewers will travel to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. And, you know, I, I really wonder in today's professional athlete age where everyone's best buddies and the the spirit of rivalries and things of that nature aren't what they once were do the cardinals have any incentive to really play spoiler for the brewers and like not let them celebrate their party as soon as they want to celebrate it um i don't know that's a great question but we'll find out this week uh 6 central start tonight september 18th uh freddie peralta takes on adam wainwright uh tuesday september 19th 6 central start adrian hauser will take the mound against drew rom um wednesday 6.45 Central Start. Wade Miley will take the mound against a gentleman by the name of Zach Thompson. Uh, series, or, yeah, series finale, Thursday, September 21st. Corbin Burns against Miles Michaelis. Then the Brewers will head to Miami for three. And then they will close out their season with six in a row at home uh, against the Cardinals and the Cubs. And so, you know, we'd like to see him clinch the division. Before that even happens, so the final homestand of the series can just be one long party as we gear up for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to, I think, go and go too crazy at this point. Like, I think win this series and you'll be very, very close again. Um, if you want to go sweep the Cardinals, I mean, no Brewers fans ever going to be upset about that. And that might just do it if you could manage to do that. But even if you split this series, if the Cardinals do show some life and want to make life more difficult, that's fine. Brewers just need to not completely collapse, and they are going to win the NL Central. So, let's see them take care of it. And the sooner the better. So, if you want to go out and just rip off some wins here, we'll all be happy with that. Uh, looking elsewhere, Cubs have got the Pirates. If they cannot get off of their five-game losing streak against the Pirates, well, they don't deserve to factor into this. And they may not. I mean, they lost back-to-back against the Rockies heading into the Diamondback series, and 
yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, Cubs could really just miss the whole thing entirely. And for the Reds, um, they've got three against the Twins before their own series with the Pirates. So certainly tougher for them, but honestly, they might just be the better team right now. And we may end up back in a spot where whether either makes uh, the wildcard spots or not, that maybe at the end of the season, second in the division will be the Reds. It seemed unlikely a very short while ago, but the Cubs have collapsed so much so that I believe it was um, on maybe Sunday morning. And at this point, I was like, God, this is aged poorly. But like the front front page article on ESPN's MLB page was about the Cubs offense and like how great the Cubs offense has been and how that is spurring them towards the postseason. Andrew, when I went to that front page today, I cannot see that article anywhere. Uh, so things are going very, very poorly for our friends in Chicago. You hate to see it, don't you? Just hate to see it. Yeah, uh, that's similar thing that I did where I went and scrubbed all of our audio where we were talking about Luke Boyd being a meaningful contributor <laughs> on this team. Uh, feeling good? You know, we... God. No, I'm actually not, not feeling good. No, I'm not feeling, feeling terrible. good. I'm feeling I'm falling apart. Um, I'm gonna go take another COVID test just to you know be responsible. Three years after this beast has ruined our lives, but feeling good about the Brewers. We talked about uh, a lot of contentious things this episode, but things are good. Um, and I look forward to watching more baseball tonight. Uh, not the show baseball tonight that uh, doesn't really exist anymore except on the Sunday night countdown, but baseball uh, this evening. Yeah, I found the article. Maybe I'll go read it now just for a giggle. Six ways the Cubs supercharged their offense by Buster Olney um, posted just a couple of days ago. So anyone, anyone who wants to be, you know, some, some light reading for their, their Monday, you can go check that out. We'll be back to keep on top of all things Brewers, hopefully to talk about a series win over the rival Cardinals and to be within touching distance of clinching the division. To make sure you hear that and you never miss an episode, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It's cruising for a bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. Got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee Books. Tolly Windish and Romacati continue to hold that down. If you haven't yet listened to uh, the interview with Ty Ty Washington, you should go and do that. Uh, that was great. My favorite part of that was uh, Ty Ty saying, I haven't seen a guy, uh, or I haven't seen someone with the name Ty, just T-I. That's hard. So giving some Ty some validation on how cool his name is is something I really enjoyed. And we all know Ty desperately needs that, and he certainly won't be dining out on that comment forever. So... Um, yeah, you can hear that and a whole bunch more on that pod if you haven't checked that out already. Uh, if you want to break down just what went wrong for the Green Bay Packers in the second half, of, not even the second half, fourth quarter, uh, yeah. against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday, well, we've got two guys who suffered through that, um, to help you with just, you know, some guitarists. I'm sure there's laughs in there. Jordan and Numac wouldn't have it any other way. Check out Talk to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. And uh, for movies, pop culture, other things, we've got to make time for this. More from Andrew and I. Uh, we were off last week, but we'll be back this week. Well, maybe. I hope so. Uh, we'll see who Andrew's health holds up this time around. Uh, uh, we'll, I'll, we'll you know, I'll uh, 
I'll put in a, a sick day for work, but I'll never put in a sick day for GSPN. Well, look, I think at some point, GSPN may be to save you from yourself. So these are conversations we'll have off there. But for more from all of the crew, subscribe at all those various places. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs>